Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. Hey, it's Trevor back with another episode of the Reputation Revolution show. And today I have a ripper conversation for you. It's one person's personal brand journey and how they've managed to successfully package, communicate and capitalize on the personal brand they've built in the marketplace. Now, as many listeners will know, this podcast is geared around plotting our own personal brand journey and the four cornerstones of becoming what I call a credible authority in the marketplace. That is, number one, empower your voice. Number two, enhance the credibility of that voice. Number three, extend the reach of your voice. And number four, extract the value from the profile and the professional reputation you build. Long-time listeners will know that this covers a myriad things. We're we're talking content and becoming your own media channel, uh, social media, generating editorial exposure in third-party media outlets, book publishing, speaking from the stage, but also mindset and overcoming limiting beliefs and, uh, and plus the commercialization of your brand. So all of that. And so my guest today has done just that and he's here to tell us about it. His name is... Oscar Trimboli. He's an author, host of the podcast Deep Listening and a sought-after keynote speaker. He is passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in homes, workplaces and cultures around the world. Oscar, welcome to the show. G'day, Trevor. Looking forward to listening to your questions. Oh, it's... um, Mate, there's... There's a lot we want to cover, and and I want to. It'll probably be less question and answer today. A bit more on the um, your story and 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 how it's stacked up. Because as I said at the outset, you've done a lot of these things. So you've built your brand, you've done the content, you've done the social, uh, you're commercialising it, all of that. So let's can we unpack that if we may? But let's. A quick thumbnail sketch of yourself, I said at the outset, you're, you are the, the guru of listening. So you've managed to, um, you know, you've managed to make listening your thing, become an expert for it. Tell us about that. In 2008, I was in a boardroom meeting with 18 people and uh, Sydney, Singapore and Seattle, when we were setting the budget for the year, it was a 90 minute meeting. And it was pretty important if you don't get the budget right, um, people lose their jobs. So for me, uh, it's a pretty high responsibility. But at the 20 minute mark, my vice president looked me across the boardroom table and said, Oscar, I need to see you immediately after this meeting. And the only thing that was going through my head, Trevor, is how many weeks of salary have I got left in my bank account? Because Tracy's never said that to me before. The meeting finished early, actually, finished at the 70 minute mark. And Tracy asked me to close the door. And as I walked back towards my seat, she said, you have no idea what you did at the 20 minute mark, do you? And all I thought was great. (laughs) I'm getting fired and I have no idea what I did. And as I sat down, she said, if you could code the way you listen, Oscar, you could change the world because the meeting moved at the 20 minute mark when you asked that question. Now, Trevor, the only thing going through my head at the moment was not, 
<laughs> Tracy said something really profound that'll change the course of my life. It's like, woohoo, I haven't been fired. And, <laughs> you know, putting all the money that I'd taken out of my bank account, or all imaginary in that case, uh, and stuffing it all the way back in. And uh, I walked out of that room because I'd got a 32% increase in my budget. I was a marketing director of Microsoft at the time, and, and that was my revenue line, which was fairly steep. And uh, a week later, the CFO said to me, hey, Oscar, can you come and audit my listening? Because he was doing the next budget meeting for, for, for Australia. I said, Brian, I haven't... Audit your listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I said, Brian, I haven't got any time for this listening caper. You and Tracy have obviously been talking. I've got a 32% increase in my revenue line. And Brian said, look, I can't change your revenue line, but if you come and audit my listening, I'll see what I can do around investing for the growth areas of your business. And... I was very commercial. I thought, if that's what you want, Brian, I'll sit down and audit your listening. And as I sat down, I audited Brian's listening. I noticed, gee, he asked a lot of really long, convoluted questions. There's 19 people in the room, but he's only really talking to three people. Gee, he cuts them off pretty quickly. Uh, I'm not sure that was a question. It was probably a statement. And in that moment, I started coding listening. Uh, wind the clock forward to today, um, we've got a range of expressions of coding. We've got a listening quiz that people can take on the website. We've got a podcast. We've got a jigsaw puzzle game. We've got a couple of books. We've got a set of playing cards that people can practice with. And uh, that's where I am today, a decade later. I was going to ask how long, how long was that gestation period, but a decade. So when you started off, uh, like seriously, there wouldn't have been too many listening experts out there or publicly uh, pushing that line, were there? Was it a kind of a, you, a territory you had to carve out and then educate the, uh, a business audience on? Uh, there, there was a one clear global leader in the space, uh, Julian Treasure, who'd done a couple of TED Talks, he's English, and uh, his background is, is in music, and he runs an organisation called Sound Agency, and his take on listening was more around the acoustics of listening, and he'd commercialised that through creating soundscapes in retail experiences for, for customers and big brands. And for me, uh, what I'd realised is there's a lot of wasted time, wasted money, wasted resources when people don't listen to each other, whether that's in budget setting meetings, sales processes, annual performance reviews, or simply the act of market research where people research the customer every year but never actually do anything with the research yeah. that they have in place. Look, Trevor, for the first two years, the content I was creating was absolute rubbish. It was focusing on the positive aspects of listening and it wasn't getting any traction at all because I wasn't talking to their problem. I was talking to my uh, hypothetical solution. I had the opportunity to read a book called Scared, Stupid and Simple by Kieran Flanagan and, and Dan Gregory, which talked about people relate to negative consequences much quicker. And as a result of that, I started creating content that talked to the challenges people face when listening the barriers that get in the way of people listening. And these became the four personas that we did two and a half years of independent market research where we researched 1,410 people in the workplace 
and defined four personas, the four villains of listening. And as a result of that, the quiz came to being because we created the quiz off the back of the research. And in the back of my mind, Trevor, I really wasn't doing a great job of listening because many of my clients had asked me for some kind of assessment tool, but I, I just didn't know how to go about doing it. So I was lucky enough to meet Heidi Martin from Audience Insights, who's a really pragmatic market researcher, and she showed me how to create these four personas out of the research that we did, which was about five and a half years ago now. So they... Walk us through then, once you sort of worked out that, you know, you're educating people on the positives, but then it's the negatives that, that, that drew people to your content. When did, did you start blogging? How long has the podcast been going for? Uh, you know, what, what, what did your owned media channels look like? And did they, what sort of role did they play in, I guess, sparking conversation around a topic that's, Kind of people understand listening, but they don't really understand listening and, and at the depth that you do. I think the the big insights for me was that you can tell people they can be an Olympic athlete, but that really appeals to 0.05% of the community. And that's where my initial blogging posting was from. What do world-class listeners do? What does world-class listening look and feel like? But most people are stuck on the couch. They, they, they're not ready to be an Olympic athlete. And what I had to do was create content that met them where they're at and break it down as simply as possible and express that in multiple ways. I, I never forget Dermot, a friend of mine, saying to me in a beautiful Irish accent, and I'm not going to do it any credit, so I won't try and do it. He goes, Oscar, you're, <laughs> you're an absolute idiot. Why are you only doing a newsletter? If your topic is listening, why wouldn't you do a podcast? Now, this is a great moment of insight, and it's also important to understand when well-meaning advice isn't right for you in that moment and why you need somebody like you, Trevor, to guide people. Because the biggest mistake I did was I started a podcast, and if I had my time all over again... I would do 150 podcast interviews on somebody else's podcast before I create my own. Because in subsequently, I've done well over 300 podcast interviews, and that's where I found my voice. That's where I found the stories that stuck. And although we've won an Apple Award for our podcast in 2018, uh, because the podcast was really, really different, not just the topic, but the format, um, Creating a podcast is a lot of work. It's a really powerful, powerful tool to keep the people who know you engaged. I think that's the purpose of the podcast that you create. It's it's a podcast to create engagement with people who already know you, but get on other people's podcasts to spread your message to people who don't know you. And uh, I, I almost want to apologise for my first couple of podcasts um, but I don't because you, we've all got to start somewhere. So you've got, to, you've got to start. You've got to start. I think anyone who's podcasted, uh, done YouTube videos, newsletters, blogs, you go back to like, you look at your early stuff and you think, oh my lord. <laughs> but that's okay. That's where you're at at the time, and and the the more you practice, we we just clicked over a hundred episodes on 
on the podcast and we, we, we continuously adjust by asking the audience what, what do they want to improve on. And every time I exited a podcast interview, I'd ask, I'd ask the host, if I had time, I'd ask them three questions. The first one is, uh, if we had our time all over again, what would make it more impactful for your audience? And if they had a little bit more time, I'd ask them the story that stuck and the one thing they do differently as a result of the conversation. And by asking these questions and listening to the hosts, uh, all of a sudden you're going to figure out where the stories are that are, are really powerful and useful, and more importantly, the stories that aren't. So when you said the 100, that's 100 as a guest on other people's podcasts? 100 of the deep listening podcasts that I oh, create. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, yeah. I think I'm just short of 300 on other people's um, podcast. Oh, so that was, I was trying to, trying to work out the two. So 300 on other people's yep. and a hundred of your own. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I think I love the one, two punch of that. I think the, uh, you know, being the podcaster and being on other people's podcasts, very, very, very powerful. And of course, there's a lot of fantastic podcasts out there and it's, you know, some are small, some are large and some are huge. And, you know, it's some of the, the smaller ones that have got more engagement at a, at a, you know, a, a niche level can be really powerful because it allows you to get deep into a topic and, uh, and um, that's great for, for the listener. Um, a couple of things there then. So you were writing, were you blogging or just went straight to newsletter? Because, of course, newsletters now are the big thing and uh, you were maybe an early, early mover in that space. How long, how long into the journey what, did you start the writing uh, even though you've, you felt that after a period of time it wasn't working for you? Uh, day, day one. So, day yeah, one. Uh, but that, that was through other people's platforms. That was pretty much all on LinkedIn, and I made sure that I was fairly consistent. During my time at Microsoft, I developed quite a substantial following from people, but unfortunately not on the topic that <laughs> I was going to move to. So <laughs> a lot uh, all, all that audience that are built up, I probably lost two thirds of it because I said, okay, this is what I'm doing going forward. And you could, you could see the drop off there, which is fine. That's no problem. So I, I think I just got into a very simple routine of trying to get 300 words out a week and, yep. and my writing voice improved just, just through continuing the practice. Just through doing it. So that was ten years. That was kind of ten years ago when you've started, yeah. um, and and how, how many years? Were you, so you were writing mainly for LinkedIn. Yep. How many? None on your own blog. And when did the newsletter come in, or did you have a blog percolating in the background? Yeah, it, I definitely don't have a blog percolating in in the background. Um, I've got the newsletter content that I send out, which is either connected to the podcast series that we want to keep people up to date on yes. or what content that we send through the two channels. I, I, I haven't got the bandwidth to be on multiple yep. channels. So for me, all my focus and all my effort and all yep. the people I help are all on LinkedIn. So that that's my yep. primary yep. focus there. I know there are people who can juggle multiple um, platforms, um, but for me, the quiz is driving about 200 new subscribers to the newsletter each week and that wow. that that that's not how it started but that's where it's at now 
And the thing is that I've learned that 200 per week sounds impressive, but how many can you keep and engage? That's the real uh, value that you can provide for those audiences there. So it's kind of a... Do you know how, you know how long your, uh, how big your list is now? Or you just don't, don't bother checking in on that all the time? Oh, no, I think um, we've had nearly, uh, just gone past 18,000 people completing the quiz. Um, but yep. the number of people who regularly open the newsletter is about half of that. So it's, um, you know, from that point of view, it's somebody who's curious enough to do a quiz may be instructed to do that by the organisation I'm working with, or they just might find it through um, some kind of search that they're trying to improve it at any particular point in time. So can I just sort of back the truck up there for a tick? So just so people are listening along at home or wherever, probably walking, maybe at the gym. <laughs> but so when you started, you did LinkedIn, you were writing, you found your voice, you continue to write on LinkedIn, you build LinkedIn, uh, that just continues. Uh, you are on Twitter, uh, but uh, clearly that's your one-two punch, but your, your, your key one channel continues to be LinkedIn. You didn't have a blog, but you did have a newsletter, and the newsletter now is uh, correlated with or in alignment with the podcast. Yeah. So you're you have it's kind of like you got a one and a two punch on that's that's just my language. But so you got the LinkedIn is your main one with Twitter as a subset. You've got the podcast is your main owned media channel with the newsletter as the uh, the support um, owned media channel there as well, and. With the newsletter, you've got 18,000 subs, but you've incentivized people to join your list through uh, the quiz that you were talking about. Uh, so giving something a bit of value for a fair value exchange. And of those people that sign up, you're getting something like a 50% open rate on your newsletter, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is huge. That's huge. So you've got a very strong, engaged audience and... Uh, they're the key elements. Um, and what is it in terms of now, it's just a matter of staying fresh with your content. Like you've been doing it for a while. How do you, do you find that podcasting helps you keep fresh because you, you always new views and, um, you know, new, new points of perspectives coming through that. What, how do you keep going on, on stuff like that? Keep, keep being fresh. So one of the things we do whenever we we run a a webinar series every single month it's it's completely free it's called the deep listening ambassadors community and the deep listening ambassadors community we run one theme every month on a narrow yep. perspective around listening and whether it's there or, or the public or private workshops that are run we always ask one question if we can or three but the one question we always ask is what gets in the way of your listening in the workplace now, I've got over a thousand of those questions now, Trevor, and uh, about four months ago, I went, I should probably put those into a spreadsheet and put them into themes and start a conversation around that. So historically with the Deep Listening Podcast, it was monthly. It was interview-based where we interviewed a workplace listening professional, an air traffic controller, a judge somebody where listening is a pretty important part of what they do. But what we got feedback from the audience is, Oscar, we love your interview style, but can we hear more from you? And I was like, ah, yeah, what am I going to say? So 
these thousand questions have now been boiled down into about 20 themes and that connects to the theme of our monthly webinar so for example in this month our monthly webinar is how do you listen on a video conference as a host so a lot of people go uh, very specific or very generic i'm very specific when i create that content and now we have a series of five to seven minute episodes the in between the interview formats where we just talk to those questions. So I think the last one we did is how do you listen for moving the group from a debate to a decision? And that that's a common question I get asked by a lot of leaders. When do you stop listening, Oscar? When does too much listening become unproductive as an example? Uh, the other thing is we've created a, a, a working document, a PDF called uh, you know, how to listen, the ultimate guide to listening in a video conference. That's uh, about 55 pages long for the host. And it gives them a series of before, during and after things to do. Not a technical guide to the video conference platform, but how do you listen in a really effective way on video conference? So I've gone much narrower in the content. Uh, historically, I was probably very broad where I talked to my model, which is the five levels of listening but in driving the content and I'm really happy with it, it gets many, many, many fewer views, but the views it gets on LinkedIn is much more engaged where people go, wow, that, that I can take that tip away. I'm going to use that tip. Thanks. And they're sharing it as well. Yeah. There's a, I want to pick up on one thing you said there, Oscar, and I love it. You've asked questions of your audience, basically of, you know, what people want. You've got a thousand, more than a thousand kind of questions and, and no doubt there are, of those, there would be some very frequently asked questions, but you're you're putting that, that content, well, you're turning those questions and that feedback back back into um, into themes and content so, uh, for your webinars and for, you know, your, those mini podcast uh, episodes as well. I love that. I think that that's, and no doubt, LinkedIn as well, yeah. um, so that 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 knock-on effect is, is very powerful. There's a great lesson there for for anyone listening uh, who wants to you know, be very strategic and mindful about uh, the content that they do create. So the webinar, so is that that's kind of goes out to your list, right. and um, uh, that's on a month by month. Do you do you get good take up of, of webinars? Uh, look, I think compared to pandemic timeframes where people go, oh, I'm, I'm constrained, oh, that's good content, I'll come and do it. I think as people have come out of various forms of lockdowns around the world, um, that's definitely dropped off. But again, um, I'm very happy doing a webinar to 10 people that are very engaged because they they bring somebody next month or they bring somebody the month after. That, that creates its own word of mouth through that community. So for me, often... The raw numbers, I think it's a head fake sometimes. Uh, are you getting the right people? Are those people speaking highly of the value that you're creating? I think that matters more to me. In the early days, it was I, I was obsessed. The bigger the number, the better. And I, I was completely wrong, Trevor. It's uh, Am I having the right kinds of conversations with the right kinds of people? And the group itself gave itself its name like I, I even asked the group you know what do you want to call yourselves 
um, and and that kind of deep listening ambassador sub brand kind of emerge from that. And longer term, I sense that those people want to figure out um, maybe how to how to license or, or, or put that into their workplace with them hosting the content and me training them somehow. I have no idea. It all feels a bit vague and opaque right now, but I think that's something that may emerge out of that as well. How many have you done? How many webinars like that? Oh, we, we've been doing those webinars since uh, probably five years every month. So we do, we, we skip uh, December and January. So 10 months of these, so 50 um, so far. Wow, that's, that's, um, that's, you would have been doing webinars well before most people. So uh, as the technology, have you seen an improvement in the technology over that five years of doing uh, Trevor, I was selling video conferencing software in 1993. So um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've kind of trained it, hosted it, marketed it. Uh, I've seen the evolution in technology for video conferences amazing, over, over many it? decades. And I think today it's uh, simple to access um, Bandwidth is the most important thing. You can have great video resolution, but if the bandwidth isn't there. But just just yeah. being able to put the ambassador community together in a breakout room and go, hey, go and have a chat for five minutes. And we run our webinars on three time zones on the same day, so a very early start and a very late finish for me. But uh, if for me, what people say to me about the ambassadors community is, wow, I get to meet somebody in a different industry, in a different continent, a different culture, a different context. And for me, it's the connections across the community are more important for me than the connections with me in that community. So that's the big... So on that day, you do three. Yeah. So you do three, 5.30, 5.30 a.m. is the first one. And uh, the last one is at 8.30 p.m. And we have one in, and one lunchtime in the lunchtime one. as well. Yeah. So clearly your audience is very, you wouldn't be doing that just for, for local, you're in Australia, you have for a local audience. So um, audience is global, spread out. Yeah, you know, nearly 50% of my database is from North America, Canada, and the United States. And that was the reason that the book we're just about to launch will be launched there first. Um, it, it'll yep. be launched through a North American publisher. And uh, yeah, but I, I think that's the good thing about the database uh, and the newsletter, you can ask people for information about their location in a way podcasting can't, for example. Yes. Uh, yes. And that way you understand simple things like, okay, well, for the time zones and the kinds of audiences that we're likely to get, we, we, can, we can have a good educated guess about that in advance too. So you mentioned uh, you've got a new book coming out. You've got another book as well. How many books have you owned? Uh, so so book number one is called Breakthroughs, How to Confront Your Assumption. Book two, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. Yep. And book three, that's we've made one. it really, really simple. The title is How to Listen. Uh, so that's uh, coming out. Well, it's available for order now, but it'll be coming out in the next couple of months. And we'd, we'll, oh, we'll be... Good timing for this. Yeah, and we'll be doing simultaneous... Uh, audio as well as um, physical and ebook launch. I uh, got a lot of pressure from the deep listening ambassadors who were deeply involved in the design. It's like, okay, Oscar, if it's going to be about listening, I don't want to wait for the audio three months later. 
get it ready now. So I'm in the middle of recording for that as we speak and learning when, which mornings I'm nasally versus the mornings I'm not. And my poor uh, audiobook producer in Atlanta is very confused. He hasn't been able to pattern match, but we're recording like every other day instead of two to three days in a row, which is a bit weird. But uh, we want to create a great listening experience for the audience. Of course, of course. And and your previous book, uh, that was probably the main one, wasn't it? Deep Listening? Or... Oh, yeah, it's like a, it's the most most current um, book. It's the one that everybody references and the one the yeah. one that got a lot of pressure for me to um, also uh, people asked to create playing cards. Um, simple, it's 50 questions you can ask in any particular kind of listening scenario as well. So for me, what's been fascinating about writing the book and having people talk about the book, and I get photos from people. Uh, I remember I got one from somebody backpacking through the mountains in Jordan, of all places, um, and just said, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of this gorgeous valley in the middle of the mountains, and this is the perfect place to read your book, Oscar. And it's like, oh, wow. Um, you, you, you have a completely different connection with the audience when, uh, the, when the book's there. But I think also when you reach out to podcast hosts around the world, uh, it's very different. As they said, um, a lot of podcast hosts use a primary screening preference of if someone's written a book or not, that will be a primary screen for them taking the person on yeah. to the podcast because... If you've taken the time to write a book, you'll be able to coherently and sequentially express the idea rather than a bunch of random stories. Yeah. Was, um, have you had a publisher for the whole way, all the books? No, the first two were self-published. The third one was a, a funny story. The current one uh, is a story about listening. In the middle of the pandemic, a, a publisher reached out to me and said, I, I can see this huge series of um how to listen here, here, and here. So, like, how to listen for lawyers, how to listen for accountants, etc. Yeah. And uh, I said, great, but you know, half my audience is in North America. How how does this work? And they said, well, publish the book in Australia, and then two to three years later, we'll do it in the US. And I go, look, I'm not sure you're listening to me because half my audience is is in the US. And they said, no, 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 no. Uh, anyway, I, I I kept on searching. And eventually came across a publisher through North America who went, that is great. We can do that. We can work with your Australian audience as well. And and gave me very deep, directive editorial feedback about the kinds of stories to put in the book to make sure that we covered all the geographic bases of our database. Yep. So, you know, do you have a North American story? Do you have an Indian story? Do you have a story for people in Europe? And um, they've been amazing in the process of bringing this together so we've unpacked the how you got started we looked at the the content you created and that journey that continues today um we touched on but i might go back to the the earned media side where you know you've earned the right for someone to interview you on their podcast have you got any other and you've done that is that a system you're doing now you proactively reaching out have you got an agency to reach out on your behalf to go to other um to, to other podcasts because it is a, a very powerful uh way to get your name out there and uh but it can be very time consuming 
it's very time consuming if you choose to do it yourself, which we did initially. And again, mm -hmm. a primary screen a podcast host will use is, are they pitching themselves or have they got a publicity company or an interview uh, company booking them? They will put those people at the top of the queue because they know people are more yep. serious. So I, I've been using a booking agency out of North America since 2019. And um, that, they've been fantastic. Uh, again, because that's where half my listeners are, uh, I want to make sure that I've got somebody on that time zone. It also means I have to get up at odd hours of the morning to meet the host's timeline but uh, the hosts, I, I always, if I get the if I get the opportunity in in the thank you note I send to them, it's like, what was your experience with my agency? And they always consistently say professional. I can always count on yep. them to pitch the right kind of people to me. And yep. um, yeah, so so for me, that's set and forget. They they book two interviews per month, month in, month out. Yep. That doesn't mean that's when I do it. But that's my no, that's course. my always on channel. I've picked up um, significant work from North America, from Europe, from the UK as a result of appearing on other people's podcasts. But it's a slow burn. Uh, the yes. one I remember, I got interviewed on a podcast, and uh, somebody put me in the back of their mind. They kind of mentally put me aside for a budget for an event. Then they started listening to my podcast. Then they bought my book. And um, by the time we we're ready to have a conversation, it wasn't a question of should we, it's how much and are you available? Uh, and they're the kind of phone calls we all love to take. But from the time they listened to the interview to the time they were ready to buy, that was 14 months. So that's why I say yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a long, slow burn. Um, but that was a, a wonderful uh, client is still working with them in North America and they have been wonderful referrers of work for me to their clients in North America as well. Yeah, there's so many, <laughs> so much good stuff. This is a drum that I beat all the time is that how, particularly in, in areas where, you know, you're bringing on experts and and uh, and professional services, I guess, and advisory and all of that sort of stuff, whether it's through speaking or coaching or mentoring or or any or any or all of the above sometimes the gestation period of making that happen can be a long time and it, it's you know the buyer's journey is is quite zigzaggy <laughs> and so that that just illustrates that uh thank you for sharing that oscar that's that's a really good yarn and i guess the other thing there the message there is that it's a strategy to be on other people's podcasts can i ask the name of the the agency that you use yeah, interview connections they're out of Rhode Island in on yep. the east coast of yep. the United States and uh, Jessica and Margie you know that's a good example because they had a podcast I got to learn who they were and what they stood for well before I wanted to go and buy from them and a year ago as an example I knew I'd need a book publicist in the United States so I subscribed to three newsletters only one of them had a podcast I subscribed to that as well um, and it won't be any surprise to you, Trevor, that um, because because of their podcast, I got to listen to the clients they work with, but they also interview their staff on that podcast as well. And I think for companies, they don't really understand the power of the stories their staff can tell. 
uh, about yes. the the brand and what the brand stands for. And uh, to be honest, uh, um, as important as it was listening to other authors, I was kind of listening to the book publicity people, the people who were calling up the media organisations day in and day out and listening to their stories. And I'm I'm going to be very specific about the consultant I want working on my account as well. It won't just be the organisation. It's I want that person working on that my person. law. And they'd have lots of war stories too, uh, being on the front line of pitching. But just... I'll just uh, finish up that bit on the on the on the using an agency. It's you know it's it's a collaborative effort. You've got to you know do your homework and get you know do the a good job on the podcast and understand the podcast you're going to be on. And um, they need to you know pitch you to the right places because you know I've got a podcast. I get pitched all the time, and often many times it's it, the pitch is a bit off base. But when it's a good one, you see it. So it's it's very much you pick the right person to pitch on your behalf. They're doing it on your behalf. It's your brand, and uh, very very important. But uh, that's that's a terrific example of again extending the reach of your voice. So we've uh, enhanced the credibility of our voice. We've uh, we've extended the reach. Now let's just uh, finish off by moving into the extract the value from the the profile and the reputation that you have been doing. So unbeknownst to you, you've been following this method that I've created uh, all the way, which is terrific. So that's what I want to talk to you about. But it's uh, so how do you, you how many sort of streams of income do you make now off the back of your, could I call it a personal brand based business? Really, there's uh, the one on one coaching work that I do. There's speaking work. There's workshop work. And then there's the authoring, like the revenues that I earn through either bulk book sales as part of a corporate presentation or just wholesale um, book sales there. And roughly, if you were to, to look at it, it's about a third, a third, a third, a third from one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives who either send me recordings of a team meeting where they hosted it and I'm auditing their listening uh, then we'll work in uh, uh, that into their one-on-one um, -on -one coaching program. Or they bring me into workshops and go, okay, we want you to run a workshop and teach our leadership team how to listen to each other, how to listen to the broader organisation. And then just company kickoffs, sales kickoffs are typically the most frequent way that people will book me for the speaking events and they've, they've all been virtual for the last two years and more importantly exporting um, overseas uh, which has been interesting yeah. this year is the first year where I'll go 50% of my revenue is from overseas uh, compared to domestic fantastic and um, you've got the shop on your website as well where you sell other things what's is that that just sort of tickles along the merchandise side of things, if I can call it. Yeah, that. Uh, it's not something I put an enormous amount of effort into. Sometimes I think it's uh, more more work than it's worth. I'd I'd, I'd love to outsource the um, the book sales and and the um, card sales, which is where yes. that's at. But um, yeah, it it's it's uh, kind of keep. I always go, is that covering? Uh, the overheads of my website, um, because as you know, Trevor, there's so many plugins and bits of software and 
feeding and watering and weeding you have to do of your own website. So that that's I kind of look at that and go, okay, can that cover the cost of the people who are looking after my website? So what what, what sort of team have you got? Because you know you are the the front person and you're doing work, but you've got so let's put it that way: you've got the people doing the agents, the the, the podcast uh, interview agency who's getting you. Uh, interviews on other people's podcasts two a month yeah. consistently. Uh, have you? Yeah, got I've got I've got a uh, a sound engineer who works on the deep listening podcast because we put a lot of work into post production there. We've got somebody who looks after our website that is a, a contract relationship there, and uh, we have somebody who looks after the quiz for us as well that's a third party organization that's all they do is quizzes and assessments and they do just a, a fantastic job evaluation solutions to uh, melissa and barry they really well class at what they do and um, do do a lot of work for um, people like me and advisory work so they're, they're the core, apart from, you know, making sure the invoicing and, and um, scheduling gets done for my calendar and scheduling of newsletters and making sure the content goes out on a consistent time frame as well. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Oh, mate, that's fantastic. I was, I was uh, wanting to make sure that we got through this and I didn't take you off onto too many tangents because I wanted this sort of this joining of the dots, this linear story, which has been terrific. And um, the, just I don't, I don't think I want you to order, order me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I will uh, just try and uh, tie it all up in a bow at the end. But uh, so what we heard was, you know, you came out of uh, big corporate, uh, you took the chance of uh, on a a new category. Let's say I'd say you you know you are one of the world's leaders now in listening. Um, you, it's take it's a ten year journey. Um, it, it, you've done all the things about finding your voice through content, um, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, the podcast is your main own media channel. The support of that is the newsletter. You do the monthly webinars for free. Are they archived by the way? The webinars. Yep. Yep. So that's a mountain of content there. You've been collating uh, questions and themes and, and from feedback from uh, from people in in the um, who who come to your webinars, uh, plus also other people who you talk to on the on the uh, podcasts. So you're getting feedback all the time. You're feeding that back into more content. Uh, they've got the newsletter going out, and uh, you you build an enterprise around all that um, in terms of the. Uh, in terms of the the types of services that you a portfolio approach, I suppose the types of services that you do offer people, and you're global, baby, you're global. <laughs> Trevor, so, uh, I think in to just just before uh, the Christmas vacation, it was but December nineteen. I got a phone call from the editor of the Financial Review, and for those of you who might not be in Australia, that's the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal in Australia. And they said, I can't believe that you exist. I, uh, we've just done a piece of CEO research and the second thing they're talking about is how do they improve their listening? And we couldn't find anybody. But on the second page of Google, so keep this in mind because people say if you're on page two, you don't count. If the person is motivated... 
they just went, we thought we found a gold mine when we found you, Oscar, because all those interviews you'd done, we know what you're talking about. And we did a five-minute interview, which ended up in the um, financial review for their summer series, which had amazing oh, longevity, and I picked up a lot of work out of that as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you, I actually meant to ask you that before. Do you uh, get much other media interest as a result of people finding you? That's a classic example, by the way, That's of how that can happen. Uh, typically, it's other podcast hosts uh, who are asking me, and uh, occasionally uh, there are bloggers who blog in the category of speaking, and they go, um, I just want a different take for my customers. Would you mind doing a guest blog post on listening the other side of speaking? Um, and I probably get one of those a quarter. Um, so, and if it's right, in some cases it has been, in some cases it hasn't, um, we'll do something reciprocal with that person as well. So we may interview them or we may get them to do a guest um, post in our newsletter as an example. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And just going back to that the financial review one, um, I've often said that, you know, there's two ways to get media coverage. One is you pitch out, which you're kind of, you, you can say you're doing that often with the podcasting, uh, but, you know, it's media generally as well, and a lot of people get to that. But there, there's a push and a pull today, and you're, you know, pulling people into you um, because they'll find you if they're looking for that particular topic, which is good, and you get found. There's that side of things. But more importantly, whether you're pitching or whether they find you or they hear you word of mouth or whatever, they're going to check you out and will they be validated in their mind that you are actually the expert and you have the chops and you know what you're talking about. And that is a classic example with the financial review in Australia where they did their homework, they've worked out, yes, you know what you're talking about because the proof points are out there, everything's out there. Um, and that gave them the confidence and they weren't then going to talk to anyone else. So uh, just fantastic lessons abound, Oscar. Um, so when's the new book come out You can for pre-order now? Yeah. Uh, what's the name? Yeah. So people can find it. It was an easy How one. to listen. <laughs> How to listen. <laughs> Mate. I, always, I always remember this story between David Mim and Scott who wrote one of the Bibles in content marketing called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. And kind of like about 2007, and I think he's rewritten it about eight times now. And there's another guy called Mitch Joel, a, a, a very well-known podcaster. And his podcast and his, his book was Six Pixels of Separation. And I remember them talking with each other and uh, about book titles. And, um, you know, Mitch was saying, oh, I wish I just did the, you know, the, the, the one that said what was on the tin. You know, like it was... Uh, I think in, uh, you can get too cute, and I love Six Pixels of Separation as a, as a title, but, uh, you know, you can get a bit cute with uh, titles sometimes, and sometimes what you see on the tin is what's in the tin. And, 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 and that was all because we listened to our Deep Listening Ambassadors community. We, we tested the title with the community. We also tested the title with people who don't know us. And we tested the title with Google and Amazon AdWords as well. So we had to triangulate four different input methods to, to make sure the title um, get, get us there because we, again, the publisher has said that 80% of book sales are going to be sourced from a Google search. So um, we just wanted to make wow. it as frictionless as possible for them to buy that or find that and then make a decision.
surprising you you got it you know like it's 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 there to, there for the taking and uh, uh, and and of course how to listen for accountants how to listen to the for lawyers the uh, for doc for doctors that'd be a good one <laughs> excellent all right so that'll that'll be out soon and probably by the time the podcast is uh, it'll be out but uh, certainly people can uh, pre-order that through all the the various and myriad channels that are out there thank you very much for sharing uh, all of this with us Oscar um, and if people go to Oscar uh, Trimboli, they can find you. Yeah, there's only one. <laughs> there's only one. Excellent. Um, thanks for that. Um, and uh, good luck with the new book. Thanks for listening, Trevor. <laughs> Thank you. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in? 